This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. On this Sunday, uh, my name is Jess. I'm the lead pastor of Journey Church, and we're really glad. If this is your first week here, we just want to say a great big welcome to you. We hope that you feel seen and heard and uh, noticed this morning, and you know, some of you came and you don't, you're thinking, not me, I do not want to be seen, heard, or noticed. But if you're here and you want to be seen, uh, we hope that you feel seen. And directly following the service, we have a newcomer's lunch. Um, and maybe you've been coming for a while, but you've never got in on the free pizza. I want to invite you to come. Or maybe you're just hungry today and you look at somebody who looks kind of new near you. You can come for pizza too. Gwen is like currently stressed out because I've just invited the whole church to newcomers. I'm sorry, Gwen. Uh, Listen, it's a, it's a really good day to be in God's house. Uh, you know, God is really bringing our church to a cool place in history. I, I wanted to give you a little bit of an update of some of the things that have been happening over the month of September. Now we're in October, but uh, the table, uh, this is uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we had a vision to be able to feed university students. And um, our fearless leaders, Barb and, and Cam, uh, decided that they would take up the charge to invite university students to be fed. And, you know, I mean, what university? You're hungry all the time, I know. I have a few of them. And the first year, we had a number of kids coming, and it was amazing. We were happy if, like, 10 people came. Uh, this is sort of a no-strings-attached. We don't, we don't say to people, we will feed you if you pray with us. Or uh, we just, the first year, we had a few people coming, and then COVID happened, and then, you know... You, you all lived through it. So uh, we wondered if that would ever start again. Then they courageously started again. And then uh, we had a few more people coming in. This, uh, we started again this year in September, and we had 90 students here eating food. Yeah, so you can pray for that team of people because I think we were, uh, you know, it's always hard when you have more than 100 university students coming to you as hungry people. Uh, but we're believing that that's sowing seeds in people's lives. You know, many of the people that come are foreign students from different places all over the world. And if you've ever visited a foreign country, you know how disconcerting that can be. It, listen, even moving to another province is disconcerting. Nothing is the same. And so we want to be a place that the Word of God tells us that we're to welcome the foreigner. This is a biblical principle. This is a mandate to us as a church. And so we, we will continue to do that. So pray for that team. Um, many of you heard the call. Pastor Becky was up here a couple of weeks ago asking us to volunteer helping evacuees, people from the Northwest Territories that had been put out of their homes and houses. And oh, so many of you responded saying, I'll help, I'll help. And by the time the convoy of hope actually made it across the border, having nothing to do with you, but everything to do with the border, uh, many of the evacuees were already gone back up north. But we had two giant truckfuls of things. And so um, I want you to know, though, that nothing is ever wasted with the Lord. Nothing is ever wasted. He moves in ways that we cannot understand. So Pastor Becky, being the brave warrior that she is, I can't find her now, but she's somewhere here, uh, just said, hey, maybe we could have some of the things in that truck Samaritan's Purse and Convoy of Hope said, yeah, that sounds like a good idea because you do a warming center, right? So I, wa I want you to know, this is like such an amazing God story that on Tuesday, 
a big sea can will be delivered to our parking lot. It's going to take some of your parking spots. You're going to have to come a bit earlier, a 40-footer. And we have like skids and skids and skids and skids of things that we're going to be able to give to, uh, to people in Calgary. Isn't that amazing? We're going to be able to give diapers. Hey, hey, listen, that's because of your yes, though. Do you understand? Pastor Harmon prayed that today, that God would multiply what we say for him. He'd multiply it. This is a biblical principle. Your yes made it so that now this season, we have 10,000 socks to give out to the hundreds of people who will come to the warming center. Listen, the, listen, the, the food bank is asking for diapers. Guess what we got this week, everyone? We got diapers. We're going to be able to bless our city. We are called to be a blessing. We are not just called to come and make church. We're called to be a blessing. And I, I'm, I'm contending for this kind of favor for our church, for you as individuals, but for us collectively as a church, that we would say yes to God and our yes would be multiplied so that we could say yes to hundreds and hundreds of people in our city. I, I just think we got to be good news people. We got to be good news people that people say, I don't know, like their worship's kind of loud. I don't really understand. But man, they do good things in the city. Some of you are, you already say that. <laughs> You're here. That girl, she kind of talks pretty long, but like... I don't know. I know they do good things in the city. This, this is what we're called to be. You know, uh, one of my mentors, one of my spiritual mentors, when I first started pastoring, said this to me. Jess, you have to be aware of, of the vortex of the church. And this sounded like weird. I, don't, I just thought, well, you're, I don't know, more spiritual than I am. I don't know what you're talking about. And he said this. Whenever a church starts to get some modicum of success, so like people come and, you know, what happens is the vortex of the church will pull us inward to start thinking about ourselves. It's just natural. It's natural human behavior to start thinking about your own success, staring at yourself in the mirror, so to speak. And he, he said this to me, if he said it once, he said it a hundred times, your job as the leader is to continue to push people to think outwards. So as I was thinking and praying about what we would talk about this, in this season, um, I began thinking about uh, what it would mean for us to continue to be an outward-focused church. That is not to say, now hear, hear me before we begin this series, that is not to say that we don't care for your needs, because of course we do. We care about your pain and your... But the way of Jesus is the way often we get to healing is by thinking less of ourselves and more of those outside ourselves. So if you're here and you're in pain, part of the way that we get to healing is to say, God, uh, how can I partner with you on your mission? So over the month of, month of October, we're really going to focus on what does it mean for us to partner with God in his mission? Uh, we have a whole section of our church that is called Kingdom Partners, and that's on purpose we actually don't believe we build God's kingdom, but we partner with God as he is building. God's already on the move in Calgary. God did not need Journey Church to be on the move in Calgary, but we get to say, God, how can I partner with you? And so over this month, we're going to talk about what does it mean for us to be on mission with God? What does it mean for us to join our hands with God and say, hey, we get to, do, we, we get to help you? Um, Missio Dei, what our series is called over the next four weeks, simply means this, the mission of God. And um, I, I think it would be appropriate if we asked, continued, continually asked ourselves, what is the mission of God 
And how do I stay on track with that mission? How do I actually continue to live into that mission? And we're gonna, I, I'm going to teach a little bit differently over these next couple of days. This is going to be a, um, it's not going to be my best stories. I, in fact, did not allow myself to tell you any stories today, although we'll see how well that goes. Uh, but we, I want to take us from Genesis all the way into the New Testament, asking ourselves the question, what is the mission of God? What is the mission of God? In seminary courses I took, uh, our professors would often stand up and say, what is the mission of God? And you'd have 50 answers for 50 people. Uh, and I think to look at the mission of God, we have to first look at what was God doing in the beginning? And so the cool thing about scripture, this is the, ama- by the way, by the way, this is a PSA. It's October 1st, I think. Is it the first today? Okay, it is the first. Um, if you haven't joined in our Bible reading, I want to encourage you, October 1st, it's the day you can start today. There's a QR code if you go to our connection. Don't, listen, Bible reading will change your life. I'm the Bible reading person. I know this. I have to do a PSA for it every week. But, but it's because the Word of God has, like, transformed my life. And I don't even have to get paid to tell you to read your Bible. It's going to change your life. So start with us. But um, it's October 1st. And the great thing about the Word of God when you read it is that it's so multifaceted. You can read it and hear different things and different passages at different times. This is what is, like, this is, this is why it changes our lives. But I want us to look at Genesis chapter 1 from the perspective of this. What was God doing in Genesis chapter 1? What was his mission? Okay, so let's read this scripture. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that, we, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all of the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Okay, so when we read the scripture, we have to ask ourselves, what was, what was the point of this? What was God's mission in creation? And I, I want to suggest that God was doing three things, and you can see these by tracing them. The first thing that God was doing was multiplying. He was multiplying. Um, God wants an expanding family. This has always been the heart of God from the beginning of Genesis. Some of you believe this was the greatest commandment God ever gave us. Dave and I have done our part. We're in the four no more club. <laughs> okay, but, but when we talk about the character of God, from the beginning, God was a multiplying God. He was interested in his family growing and expanding. And the second thing we see that God was interested in doing was scattering. Uh, The word scatter is not used here, but we're going to see it in other scriptures. God was interested in scattering people all over the world. Now, I had never, till I thought about the scripture this way, like when I thought about the Garden of Eden, I just thought like, you know, like Adam and Eve hanging out in the garden, enjoying all the fruit, and it was perfect there, so it was like warm. (sighs) Why do we live in Calgary? But... Anyways, on this call, it was warm and nice and all the and nothing bit them or ate them. No, but in fact, scripturally, God from the beginning was sending people out. You're to go, go, subdue the earth, rule over the entire earth, not just stay in one little place. And God's people were called, God's part of God's mission was to call his people to rule. 
to rule God's kingdom, not their own kingdom, God's kingdom, to rule over it with, with godly wisdom. Okay, and then we see this again in Genesis chapter 9, verse 7. After the flood happens and Noah and his family uh, come out of the boat and everything's drying up, God says, as for you, he's talking to Noah again, be fruitful. So there it is again. God is a multiplying God. An increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. God is about his kingdom expanding. In Genesis 15, 5, God is talking to Abram, and we don't have time to talk about all this, but God again, when he's calling Abram, he's saying, look at the stars and count them if you can. That's how much I want to expand you. And this is telling us something about the character of God, that he is interested in expansion. Uh, God is intent on building this massive family. We know this from the uh, from the New Testament when, when the word of God says he's not willing that any should perish. He keeps reiterating this over and over and over again. Okay, so now we come to Genesis chapter 11. Now, have you ever read the Old Testament and just read a story, like just opened up your Bible, read it, and went, weird. Yeah, okay, we can all admit that there are some stories that you just go weird. The Tower of Babel, read out of context, becomes one of those stories. So if you don't know, the Tower of Babel, found in Genesis chapter 11, the first book of the Bible, is a story about how people um, created a tower, and there's been weird theology around it, like people have written whole books about how God doesn't like skyscrapers. Um, <laughs> an example of very bad exegesis. I, I want to read this story, though, and then I want to talk about it in light of God's mission, okay? Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar, and they settled there. You can see some things I want to jump out of the page at you that are underlined here. They said to one another, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, as if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this and nothing will be impossible for them to do. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. This is why it's called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Okay, so Genesis chapter 11, if you read it in context of Genesis 1 through 15, or 1 through 11 at this point, you can see that Babel is the anti-mission of God. Why? Did you see this? The people settled in Shiner, like they actually just said, you know what, we're done scattering, God, we're done. We just like our little, small, little group here. We're cool with what we got right now. We're going to just build our own kingdom. Did you see that they were no longer building the kingdom of God? They were building their own kingdom. And what does God come and do? He says, no, this is the anti-mission of God. You're not to settle. You're to be scattered. You're actually to be building the kingdom of God. I wonder if there's, I wonder if there's real truth for us today. You know, things get going pretty good, and then you think, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to settle right here. 
I'm going to settle right here, and I'm going to start building my own kingdom. I need a break. Some of us, you, you grew up in church culture, and you, were, um, you understood the mission as a youth to like bring the kingdom of God, and then somehow you got to adulthood, and you settled into yourself. Now you're going to pay off your mortgage. And I'm, listen, hear me. I'm paying off my mortgage too. Praise God, I'm going to pay it off before I die. Uh, that was a faith statement there. Okay, but, but, but understand that the, the, uh, the, the, the vortex of our own Christian lives causes us to go back to Babel, to build our own kingdom, to settle where we are. Some of you have settled in places that like, are not even comfortable, but you're settling because it's easier. It's easy to settle in your sin. It's easy to settle in your discomfort. It's easy to settle in victimhood. It's easy to settle. And God tells us, his mission tells us that if we are going to be people that are on mission with God, we're not going to settle. We're going to be people who are scattered, who say, God, this is why we can't all do one. There's no Christian vocation. That's why God's called some of you to be doctors and some of you to be contractors and some of you to be entrepreneurs. This is the call of God to the scatter model. It's interesting um, that our church is called Journey Church. Now, I would like to tell you that coming up with Journey Church was a very spiritual endeavor for us. Dave and I really sat on our backyard and thought about terrible things, terrible, terrible names for this church. You can be all glad that it turned out to be Journey. Thank God for our children who said to us, Mom and Dad, if you name it that church, we're going to a new church. <laughs> but I was thinking how God works in spite, and you know, other people gave names too. Some of your names were better than ours. I still like to, oh, anyways, we'll just never, David's telling me, no, don't even start. I do think God works in spite of us, though. The name Journey reminds us, it should remind us, that every day that we're called to come and gather, that we're called to a, a church that is moving. Journey, Journey re, has the idea, right, that we are journeying somewhere, we're going somewhere, and this is the call of God to us as people, that we're called to move with God, to journey with him, to not just be settled and stuck where we are. In the New Testament, Jesus kept on this idea of being on mission. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This idea that the kingdom of heaven is advancing and we are advancing with it. Let me read another scripture, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Luke 4, 18 to 19, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God was showing us in the person of Jesus. Jesus didn't need to be sent to us. And yet God was showing us that Jesus himself was on the move, bringing the kingdom of God near. This is the call of God to us, the mission of God. God, um, let me just read one more scripture. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the son of man came... Notice the verb here, like Jesus didn't just float, he, he came, there's like movement to it, to seek and save the lost. 
You see, Jesus perfectly fulfilled the mission of God. He was showing us the way, reminding us that the very mission of God found in Genesis chapter 1, God was still doing. You know what's funny about us as people? Have you ever met somebody who's like full of a lot of ideas, but you know they don't stick to one idea for very long? You ever had somebody like that in your life? Like they're like into something for like a little bit, but then like six months later, like they were selling you vitamins for six months, but now they're into hair products. And it's very confusing. It's hard to keep track. Now, some of you, God has gifted you a personality like that. It's okay. You're not, you're just like that. It's fine. But, but God is like, uh, his mission is relentless. Like he's never going to be like, and you know what? Now just stay and hold the fort. In the 1980s, there was a great, um, there was a great move to just hold the fort. By that, I mean this. We were just going to like hole up in our churches and pray that our kids didn't get like, I don't know, inundated by the world and we're going to wait for Jesus. We're going to be at church every single day of the week. We are not going to let our children have any breathing time at all, just right here all the time. But in fact, that was against the mission of God where he says, go, just as I came to you, you, you got to go. Now, listen, we are going to have times of gathering on Wednesday night is revived night. I'm going to encourage you to come to it aside. But, but the general idea that we hold the fort is birthed out of fear. Genesis 1 said, go and rule over the world. Bring my kingdom to bear. You are called to bring God's kingdom to bear right here in the 21st century in Canada, in a place where we have ungodly leadership, wild things happening, and you were called to rule. This is what Jesus asks us to partner with him in. God has been looking since Genesis chapter 1 for someone who would go and bring his kingdom. This is our call. This is why, this is why he called you. You know, um, when we talk about discipleship, oftentimes people will meet with me if and perhaps you've done this before and said, so Pastor Jess, what is your vision for discipleship for Journey Church? And oftentimes when people ask that, when we think about discipleship, we think about it in two ways. First is knowledge. We think of it like if I could get more knowledge into me. And there's nothing wrong with this. Of course, we believe in increasing our knowledge. That's, that's a godly characteristic uh, that we would, you know, read books, read the word of God, let it change you. The other way we think about um, discipleship is often through piety. So like if we could be more spiritual, if you could get up at 2 a.m. every day, if you could, and, and for sure we believe in spiritual disciplines, they, they will change your life. But in fact, these are neither of the ways that Jesus actually led us to discipleship. Um, let me just read a few scriptures here on how Jesus trained people to be part of his mission. Matthew 4, 18 through 20, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make a course for you. Come follow me, Jesus said, and you're going to fast for the next 21 days. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you memorize 400 things that you're going to do right No! What did Jesus say? He said, come follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. What? The training was in the journey. The, 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 now, now, we know, you read on about Peter. You think, this man was a mess. 
He makes us all feel good about ourselves when we read the Bible. We think, wow, I'm so spiritual. So I haven't cut off anyone's ear in the last week or so. We read this and think, Jesus, was this even like a good leadership idea? Like, didn't you have a course that they needed to take on? Didn't you have like a manual that was like made at Staples? Let me read... um, this is Matthew 28. It's the real, the Great Commission, a kind of famous passage. Um, he says, therefore, go. It's the same language that's being used. Jesus came. We're called to go. Jesus said, uh, God said, go out and subdue the world. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Luke 9, 1 to 2 says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. Now, okay, we just came out of the series, The Chosen, and you know, when you watch The Chosen, you realize, oh yeah, those disciples really were a mess. Um, And he gave them a lot of power in the middle of that. You ever think about that? Whoa, Jesus has, listen, Jesus has a lot more faith in you than we have in each other sometimes. This is a good thing about our God. And then he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Jesus wasn't even with them. I, I Imagine yourself as a disciple of Jesus. You've been following him for like three minutes. And now, now you've got power to cast out all the demons. Some of you are just like nervous. How did I get in this Pentecostal church where they're talking about demons? And heal all the diseases. And then he sends them out by themselves. Like you're on your own now, people. Enjoy your time. But this is the way of Jesus. This is how God believes in you. He believed in the disciples and the disciples he does not love more than you. He called you in a way. I was reading this morning the scripture where Thomas uh, said, I'm not going to believe in you until I can touch your hands and feet. And Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. You're one of those blessed people. You, you actually are called in a, in a God believes in you. You didn't have to see him to believe. Luke 10.1 says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. So it's not just the disciples, not just the 12. 72 others. This, and mathematically, so when you're, when you're studying the Bible, you recognize that numbers mean th- things. 72 just reminds us that it's like all the people that are called by God and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. John 20, 21 through 23, says, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Can you see this? Genesis, Exodus, like God God had a plan right from the beginning. This was his mission. I'm going to call you. I'm going to send you. You're going to do it, and you're going to be amazing at it. Some of you all, um, if you were to look at your own personal life, you'd say, like, I don't have much confidence. Like, I don't know, I don't know if it's like past trauma or just the way you were raised, but I, I, I want you to know that when you become a child of God, you can square your shoulders back. God believes in you. He called you. He sent you so that his kingdom could be built. Now, many of us are going to do that in different ways, but we are all called. We are all sent. 
You see, these scriptures tell us about the way that Jesus disciples us. He disciples us in the journey. So you might not have it all figured out right now. That's all right. God's going to teach you as you journey with him, as you're obedient to him. As we think about God, how, do, how can I be sent out? How can I? Uh, I want to show you this little pyramid. Um, so as a church, here, here's what we believe. We, we want people to really, really know God. Um, our, our tagline is that we would encounter God and embrace people. We use this because we actually don't want people to just know about God. We want people to encounter him, to actually, if you're here today, maybe this is your first time in church or your first time in a long time, I want you to know that God wants to encounter you in a very deep and personal way. He doesn't just stand from afar. He actually wants us to know him. But from there, um, God helps us to grow in freedom. And this is why a couple of weeks ago, we launched a bunch of small groups and you know, we all come to Jesus with all kinds of baggage. It's a weird thing about being humans. We are baggage collectors, all of us. Some of you have neat and tidy homes, so you think you're, uh, you're, not, you're not immune. You've just been collecting other kinds of things. And we carry these things, and unless we address them, we might know God. Some of you here really know God. You've had an encounter with God but you have stuff in your life that has caused you to trip and stumble, and it's exhausting. Listen, if you had to carry a bag, ladies, remember when big purses come in style, it is the worst because your shoulder is like on fire all the time. Okay. Some of you are carrying like 55 purses around right now. You got all kinds of things in there. And so we believe that God calls us to grow in freedom. And we get free by getting, part of the way we get free, we talked about this last week, is by worshiping, God releases shackles from us. We know this from the Psalms. God actually releases us in worship. Part of the way we get free is in community. This is why you can't do, this is, like, this is why internet church was not good. We had to do it for a season, but thank God we don't have to do it anymore because we need each other. We actually confess your sins to one another, the books of, book of James tells us, for your healing so that you will be healed. So we grow in freedom. We know God, we grow in freedom. Can we go back to that? And then you discover your purpose. God's got a purpose for each one of you here. You are not just called to be a person that sits on a beautiful maroon chair every week. You are called to be somebody that sets the captives free, that brings sight to the blind, that, that speaks. There is a purpose of God. God didn't just call you because he thought you were cute. He does think you're cute. <laughs> but he called you because you have a purpose. There is a part that only you can play in the body of Christ. Only you can play. And it might not be teaching, and it might not be, I don't know what it is, but we're called to find our purpose. This is the mission of God. When you get up in the morning, when I, listen, when I get up in the morning, I say, God, would you set up divine appointments for me today that only I can do? When I go through that Starbucks drive through I'm praying, God, would you, like, I, I want to be open and obedient to everything that God has for me. Some of you have gifts and talents that only you have. Some of you are called to be artists because that's the gift and the purpose that God has for your life. So part of our job is to say, God, what's my purpose? I want to know you. I want to walk in freedom. Now I, I want to have purpose. And then finally, and this is not last, this actually comes quite naturally when we've known God, when we've gotten free, 
And then when we find our purpose, I mean, the icing, it's sort of like the cherry on top, comes, should come naturally. We should be making disciples because that's the mission of God. Disciples make disciples. This is just natural. You know when you get really into something and then you're just weird about it, and I am that person. I get into something and then I'm going to tell you all about it for the next, you've got to hear, I'm sorry. The microphone makes it so that you have to hear about it. Our making of disciples shouldn't have to be like, um, we're grinding it out, like it's so terrible. No. If you've known God, if you've gotten free, if you've found your purpose, making of disciples becomes something that just naturally comes out of us, the overflow of our life. But sometimes we have to remind ourselves that this is the call of God to us. Because sometimes we get stuck down here and grow in freedom, and we think, okay, like, I don't have everything in a row yet. I've got problems. What's great, what's great about this is you don't have to get one done before you get, get to the other stage. We just, they, they come all together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. My question for us today is this. Are we disciples? Do we do we really, have we encountered God in this very real way? And if we have, if we have, are we letting God grow us in freedom so that we can go out and build his kingdom like he's called us to? This is not just for people that have it all together. I'm so glad that for, for 10 years, Dave and I pastored in the inner city, we, and we saw people who were I mean, I'm going to say a wreck would be a nice way of describing it. People whose whole lives had been mess after mess after mess after mess. And if God can take people whose lives are messy and actually transform them, he can take your life and transform it. He can take your life. Some, some of you are stuck. It feels like you're, you're like, you're like in mud. Like it feels like you can't get free. You're, you're stuck at, am I, in, I can't find freedom. So you, you can't even think about finding purpose. This morning, I believe God wants to set you free. Don't stay in shackles when you can live in freedom. Yes, we don't want to stay in shackles when we can live in freedom. Don't stay like grinding it out when God says, just come to me. Some of you just need to say, God, I, I am stuck in this area. I need freedom and then as long as you have breath. So some of you think, well, like, I wish I heard this message when I was, like, 19. Because now, like, it's all over for me. As long as you have breath, God has purpose for you. As long as you have breath, God has purpose for you. Some of you have been burnt before in church. And you just think, I just, I hope that it's somewhere like else. As long as you have breath, God has purpose for you. He wants to breathe life into you again. So you get up every morning and think, I got purpose today. There's a reason that I'm here. There's a reason I'm part of this church. There's a reason that I, I get to have breath. And I want you, this week, I'm praying that God will remind you of Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, that while the Spirit hovered over the earth, the Bible tells us, God was saying, I'm calling you to multiply and I'm calling you to subdue the earth. God's called you to be a multiplier. 
Who knows? Who knows but that your neighbor lives right beside you because God puts you there. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences. Who knows the person that sits beside you in the car that you drive for work? God has a purpose and a plan for that person. He loves them as much as he loves you. And you're there for a reason. Yes? I'm praying that in this series that God would reignite us. That we, we get, we get to be on mission with him. The same God that hovered over the waters. Like, think about that, him hovering. The, the, the Hebrew is beautiful in Genesis chapter 1, where God is hovering over, it's like this mystical breath of God. He invites us into that. It doesn't say you're not just a person who's like all mixed up and can't make your bed. You are a child of God called with purpose to multiply and subdue and rule over the earth, to bring God's kingdom to bear. And when you get to feeling like Thursday is a Monday morning, it's where you square your shoulders back and say, no, I'm called. I'm called for a purpose. I might have obstacles, that I, but I'm not going through those obstacles alone. I'm going through them called of God. Young person, you are not just a young person going through the walls of your high school or the the corridors of a university where it feels like everyone is against you. You are people called and chosen by God to bring his kingdom to bear on the earth. We are not just people opening up our doors for homeless people to come in. We are bringing the kingdom of God to bear in the city of Calgary. We are not just people that gather to worship. We are people that break chains, break generational curses off our life as we worship the king. We are not just randos living random lives. We are called and called according to his purpose to bring the kingdom of God to bear in this time and this age. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that he knew the times and locations that we were to be born. God knew exactly where you would be born. He knew exactly that you would be here on October 1st, 2023. He has a plan for you. I ask you just to stand free to your feet for a moment. I just feel like there are some of you today who need to say yes to Jesus. To, when we go back to that pyramid, we think about knowing God. And I would be remiss today to not call you to say, maybe you never said yes to God, never said yes to encountering God. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we would be saved. It's his promise to us. And we say, yes, Jesus. And maybe you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus before. I want to call you to say yes to him today. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Put your hand in his. He brings freedom, begins to bring freedom to your life. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes in this moment. If you've never said yes to Jesus, today you're saying just like I want to say yes to Jesus today. I want to pray for you. That's you. I'm just going to ask that you'd raise your hand. Just you're not raising it for me. You're raising it to Jesus. Yep. 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 Anybody else? Yeah. Thanks. Yep. So for the sake of people on your left and your right, I'm going to ask that we would all say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, today I'm saying yes to Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die for me. I believe that you rose again. You died for my sins. 
I ask that you would help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. If you, if you prayed that prayer, we believe that Jesus has come in and the Bible says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you at forever. And the great joy we have is being able to walk with him every day. Just say, God, so some of you need to pray this prayer today. God, I got baggage. Doesn't have to be fancy. None of our prayers have to be fancy. God, I have baggage. I got stuff. I'm just asking you would take it. Some of you just need to breathe that prayer to the Lord right now. God, take my baggage so that I could be on mission with you. And so we're praying that as a church that we would continue to lean into the mission of God, that we'd get up with ever-vescent joy that says, God, we get to be with you. We get to partner with you. And I, I'm just, ex- I am so excited. Pastor Harmon, I mean, he didn't know that I was talking about this today, but I, that there's going to be people that sit amongst us that say the best thing you ever did was share Jesus with me. God's called each of us to that kind of ministry. You got people all over your life that are, Jesus said the fields are right under harvest. It's people all over your life. And I'm praying that God would give you courage, that he'd give you supernatural opportunities, that we would be a church that doesn't just talk about the mission of God, but we'd be people that walk in the favor of God, the mission of God, and that God would breathe on us and shine on us. Yes? Yes. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.